Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the X's and O's with Greg Cosell. That guy over there in the Super Bowl shirt is Greg Cosell of NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. I am Doug Ferraro of Touchdown Wire and USA Today. And Greg, last week we were talking about college to pro transitions, and we talked about three positions specifically, receiver, offensive tackle, and cornerback. We teased on last week's show, we could do a whole show about the transition for uh, from college to pro uh, for quarterbacks. So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to go, we're going to go <laughs> along, as they say in football, on, uh, on the, the – and we've talked about this before, but I want to get general specific on what quarterbacks – and obviously different types of quarterbacks and different teams and all that – but the transitional issues from college to pro. And now, of course, since we have a full week of preseason, we can make empirical career-long statements based on like 17 snaps. And, you know, so let's just do that and get it over with. Good idea. Uh, I mean, of course, we see that on social media now nonstop. So, but of course, then there'll be another game this week and we can make more definitive judgments. Yeah, Aiden O'Connell is the next Joe Montana. Next week will be the next Jim Druckenmiller. So there you go. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to start with, and this is something we've discussed on, I, I think three different shows. Although I but, bet we're going to, we're going to want to start with something totally different, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I want to start with the hash marks in the NFL. The hash marks are spaced 18 feet, six inches apart. Same length as the crossbar between the goalposts in college. The hash marks are spaced 40 feet apart. That means in the NFL, there are 70 feet, nine inches to the short side of the field 99 feet, three inches to the long side. In the NCAA, there are 60 feet to the short side and 100 feet to the long side. And this is a quantum leap for quarterbacks when they come to the NFL. It's also, and that's in a negative sense, it's a quantum leap for pass defenses on the positive side because now all of a sudden you can, you know, you're not just like putting all your guys to the strong side just to, to deal with it. You're, you know, it's it's a very different deal. So I, before we get into other sort of specific mechanical and schematic issues, the hash marks thing, I don't think we talk about it enough. And I don't think we realize how important it really is for quarterbacks who are making that jump. It's hugely important and it's a really significant difference. Um, you talk to coaches, you talk to quarterbacks, and they will all say this, that the college game is played on the perimeter and the NFL game is played in the middle of the field. And that is a function of the hash mark. So the, the symmetry of the game is totally different. Um, and of course that really changes the, the way the pass game can kind of be put together. Um, in, in college football, the wide side of the field, as you just put out with the, with the numbers is really wide. And it's, it's very difficult to cover the wide side of the field in college football just because there's so much space. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of easier throws in college football relative to what you get to the NFL. Um, but you know what, Doug? I think we should start with one thing that people probably never think about. 
Let's what do don't you see hardly ever when you watch college football? I know I know that's a very open-ended question, but I was gonna say players getting paid millions of dollars, but we're past that no, now. In terms of in terms of the quarterback, and, and I'll answer the question. I'm just throwing yes. it out there. You don't see a huddle. Right. So this might seem like a really minor thing, but you have to learn how to call plays in a huddle. And that is not a minor thing by any stretch of the imagination. Because think about this. You get to the NFL, and all of a sudden a play ends, okay? Now, in college football, all you do is you go right back to the line of scrimmage, and you look to the sideline, and they hold up cards with pictures or whatever it is that given week. Number six means flat right. And, and you have a lot of time. Now in the NFL – a play ends, and all as soon as the official puts the ball down, the play clock starts. So now you're huddling up as the play clock is winding down. You've not really done this before in your life because most quarterbacks now, the way they're taught and brought up in the game, starting from whenever they start playing quarterback, they're not huddling. So now all of a sudden, here's the play clock running down, which probably seems like it's happening really, really fast. And you're in the huddle. You're not even at the line of scrimmage, okay? So now you've got to call a play in the huddle with clarity, with conviction, while a 30-year-old offensive lineman who couldn't care less who the quarterback is is staring at you and wondering, how do you sound? Do you actually sound like you care and this means something to you? Or are you just reciting words? And now you've got to walk to the line of scrimmage, and, oh, my God, the play clock is still winding down. And not only did you just call the play in the huddle, but now you've got to look at the defense and go, okay, where are the safeties? Is is this middle of the field open? Is this middle of the field closed? Is there a blitz alert? Where, where, where are people lined up? You know, and all these things are happening as the play clock is winding down. Right. So these things might seem, all, you know, we, we don't talk about this a lot. Coaches do, as you know, but, you know, normally we don't. But this stuff's really, really important. And you have to master all this before you even get to the next step, which is really learning your offense. That's really first before you're worrying about defenses. Well, and, and speaking of defenses, you talk about looking at the safety and is it, you know, closed or open again, going back to the hash marks thing and going from horizontal to vertical, you're not, you're not flipping your safeties a lot in college because you can't, there's just, there's too much space. Right, you're trying to cover too much ground horizontally. Now, all of a sudden, and I, you told the story last week or two weeks ago. Kevin O'Connell, the coach of the Vikings, yep. talked to him uh, when he came out of college. And he's a quarterback for the Patriots for a while, and it, you know he talked about how everything was just compressed. Yeah, and he thought there were so, 15 defenders on the field. That's what it looked like. Right. So it's compression physically, and it's sort of compression mentally, and it, it's uh, so that's that's where but we'll then, start. Then the next part of this, think about this. No matter what kind of offense you run in college, and, and there's not a thousand route combinations, so it's not as if you know you're you're running routes in college that you know no one runs in the NFL. You know, there are similar route concepts. They're just totally they're spaced differently because of the field and the hash marks, because of the field balance. So the spacing is different. But the point to make is you have to learn your offense in the NFL, okay? And that takes a lot of time. There are coaches that I've talked to over the years, you may have had similar conversations, that basically say it takes a good two years to really learn 
the subtleties, the nuances, the, the details of your offense. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go out and play well. You know, we've seen quarterbacks come in year one and play at a reasonably high level. Some special guys can play at a high level pretty quickly. Um, but you're still learning. You know, don't forget the coaches understand where you are in terms of the learning process, and therefore they're giving you things accordingly. But in order to really understand everything about an offense, that takes time. So now we're not even talking about defense yet. And right. defense in the NFL is very different than defense in college, as you well know. So these are all things that you have to learn, but they have to become second nature because everything happens really fast. You can't you can't come to the line of scrimmage in the NFL and think, okay, well, now I'm going to look over here. What's going on over here? Well, now I'm going to look over here because you don't have that kind of time. And then imagine when the ball snapped, boy, does everything seem really fast. The pre- and post-snap pictures are often completely different. Well, I remember this story would have a lot more weight if I had I told it a calendar a year ago. But I was talking to Russell Wilson in his rookie season of 2012, and he had played in a West Coast passing game at North Carolina State and then a lot of heavy two-back power at Wisconsin. And the Seahawks, when, you know, at, at that time, were heavy two back with Marshawn and Michael Robinson. And they had a West. And Russell laughed and said, yeah, I mean, the terminology was the same. He walked into a situation where, and he went to two different schools, and they sort of, you know, the chocolate and the peanut butter thing, they sort of combined right. together to make, like, everything I had done in college, just it so happened that I came to a situation where we're doing everything I've already done. That's unusual. Very unusual because, you know, I remember a coach who coached in the NFL for years and years, a good friend of mine telling me this. And he said, you know, learning an offense and the terminology is is it's like learning a foreign language. So just think if you spent three years in college and usually the terminology in college is, is relatively simple because you're not even huddling. So there's not a ton of terminology to begin with. And then all of a sudden you come to the NFL where you have to huddle and you have to recite plays. Um, so it's like, you know, one year you're learning something in French and then all of a sudden you've got to learn everything in Spanish in the space of two months, you know, and it's and then if you go to another team, let's say in the NFL and you go to a different system, then you have to learn it in German. You know, it's so you have to learn all this stuff, how and what all this means you know, and then we're not getting into any of the adjustments or shifts or motions. We're just learning how to recite basic play calls, you know, whatever our basic, let's say, pass play is, or whatever mm-hmm. a basic run play is. It's right. seen, it might seem very simple to people, but it's not if you've never done it. Well, in college, I mean, I got to watch tape with Patrick Mahomes a couple of months before he was drafted, and he was talking about Cliff Kingbury. Cliff Kingsbury's offense and how it was like, okay, we, I mean, there was a, there was a more expansive play concept, but really in on the field, it was 76. If it was to the weak side and 77, if it was to the strong side, and everyone knew what those numbers meant, sort of package the terminology into a number. And it's not just going from, you know, Greek to German to Italian. It's, it's like, it's not, where is the bathroom? It's, I want a really complicated recipe because these are multi-word, multi-number play calls. You got to keep that all in your head. You have not done that before. No, and and that's one of the things when I talk to coaches, I'm so fascinated. You know, just personally, maybe others aren't, just by the process of teaching all this. Yeah. I mean, I had the opportunity to, to uh, have a Zoom call this past weekend with a college defensive coach who was a head coach as well, and you know, 
and, and I was talking to him about how do you teach all your defenses, you know, all the, the, the subtleties of a defense, you know. I mean, I remember speaking to Dennis Allen last summer when I was down in New Orleans, and I think I mentioned this to you, and he said, well, we have 10 versions of cover three, which yep. likely means he has 10 versions of cover four, which likely means he has 10 versions of this. So, you know, offensively is the same thing. You know, it, then you get, you know, we talked about just getting in, in and out of the huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage. Then you have to worry about, hey, are the receivers, are their splits correct? Where's my back? You know, we're not even talking about the defense yet. So all these things have to become second nature. And that takes time before you even worry about, you know, dropping back and reading a defense and making the right throw to the right receiver at the right time with the right kind of throw. You know, I mean, this all is a process. And, you know, obviously some guys get it quicker than others. They're special guys. You know, look. Mahomes is on his way to being one of the best ever. That would be hard to dispute at this point in his career. But people may forget that he did not play his rookie year until the last game of the season. Right. So he had an opportunity to sit, learn from one of the best ever in Andy Reid, play behind Alex Smith, who's you know doesn't have the skill set of the higher level quarterbacks, but is an extremely intelligent player. So you know Mahomes. Uh, again, it's easy now to say, well, if Mahomes had played, you know, week one his rookie year, he would have been great because he's Patrick Mahomes. We don't mm-hmm. know that. You know, I'm that's easy to say that. right now, but you know, there's a lot to learn, and it just takes a lot of time. Well, I remember watching tape with Mahomes. We went over the Texas game. I don't know if you remember that one. I think he, he may have thrown, might have thrown a couple picks, and he could have thrown eight because it was just YOLO the whole time. And they were throwing the ball five hundred right. times a game anyway. And he said, yeah, I know I can't do that in the NFL. But knowing that and actually flipping the script to where you are, where he is now, again, that that's that doesn't happen overnight. You mentioned, I think, last week how Aaron Rodgers used to hold the ball like right up to his chin. At that Cal. was a Jeff Tedford thing, yes. Yeah, well, he had three years behind Brett Favre. We don't know right. that these guys, and, and now we've, you know, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud, all these guys are going to start week one. So, you know, and speaking of speed, I want – and we hear this term all the time. Young quarterbacks say, I was not used to the game speed at the Correct. NFL. What does that mean? Um, I mean, I think it's in some ways it's simple. Every First of all, the athletes are better. Okay, we know that because in college football, not everybody is, plays in the NFL. You know, so, so you're just getting the highest level athletes, you know, and, and players in the NFL. Um, obviously, in the NFL, not everybody is the best athlete on the field. I mean, look at Zach Thomas, just got into the Hall of Fame. No one would say Zach Thomas was the highest level athletic linebacker we've ever seen. But obviously, the guy was was great in so many other ways, and therefore, he's a Hall of Famer. But the point is, you're getting the best of the best in the NFL. That's not the way it is in college football. So the athletes are better. Everything happens faster. Um, the bodies are closer together because of what we just uh, spoke about with the hash marks. So everything happens faster. And the key for a quarterback is to, in a sense, manage that speed. Because if you if you can't slow the game down in your mind, okay, now it's it's obviously physically happening fast. But if you can't slow the game down in your mind, it's very hard to play quarterback. And this is not an X and O point, but you can see it. Anybody who actually watches tape, you could probably see it on TV as well. You can see when a quarterback 
is really playing fast, where yep. everything he's doing looks really hurried, you know, and, and that's like, because the game is not slow for him in his mind, yeah. you know, and that's what needs to happen for quarterbacks. I mean, you know, you look at someone like Tom Brady, and I know I'm picking, you know, arguably the best of all time, but, you know, when he came out of college and for his first three, four years in the league, he was not the best of all time. You know, he had to reach that point. Um, and you watch someone like that, and you see just how comfortable he looked dropping back. He he was – deliberate's not the, the right word because deliberate, I think, has more of a negative connotation. But in a sense, take the positive connotation of deliberate. Sure. You know, it looked like he was just doing things at his pace because mm-hmm. he saw everything very clearly. You know, what what are the – what's the one thing – that really stands out when you watch a quarterback that is struggling. He's not seeing things, okay? I just happened to watch this morning Malik Willis's tape from this yeah. past week, and he was – I don't know if you've seen it yet. He was a 1,000% better than he was a year yes. ago. And, again, it's a preseason game, but just his his body language and the way he dropped back and the way he saw things. And I'm not suggesting that means he's going to be great. We have no idea. But when he played last year, as you recall – you could tell instantly he just did not see things at all, and he just played so fast. You know, he, he just couldn't calm his body down because he just wasn't getting a clear picture of anything. Well, the schism between fat and there's that great book, Thinking Fast and Slow, um, and it <laughs> that just came into my mind. You know, the, the frantic nature of it, you get happy feet. But at the same time, if, if the game hasn't slowed down for you, you're going to throw late. So it's like you're you're frantic Correct. and you're late all at the same time, and that's that's where the game can start to pick you apart. And and that's absolutely true. I mean, you know, it's and there's so much that goes into that. You know, we've talked about this, Doug. The great. I mean, just to, to sum it up, one of my notes for this show is why do quarterbacks throw late? Why do young quarterbacks? Why do they make, throw late? Yeah, because they they're not seeing it at the necessary speed. You know, exactly. the, everybody uses the word processing. It's a, it's a perfectly fine word. The term that I, and I'm, you know, not that I'm smarter than anybody else, but about seven or eight years ago, I thought, what does that really mean? And so I came up with the term elimination and isolation. Yep. So what you have to do as a quarterback, and it starts in the pre-snap phase, and that's all based on film study, is you have to eliminate what's not there, what throws not to make within your route concept and then isolate what throw to make within the timing and structure of the drop. That's really what you're trying to get done. Okay. That's what processing is. So if you're struggling to do that, okay. Or if you're not doing it at the required speed, then you're going to be late with throws or you're not going to see the throws, you know, and, and that's why quarterbacks are late you know, now they could be late for other reasons. They could be late because of their footwork. They, you know, because how many times do we see quarterbacks drop back and we see that they don't necessarily plant their back foot, their feet are still moving. And then to get ready to throw, they have to take an extra step and that makes them a beat late. And I can't remember who, who I heard this phrase from, but I love it. Uh, a coach told me in the NFL fractions matter. And mm-hmm. that's, that's a great two word statement, you know, for what, the NFL is for a quarterback. Fractions matter, you know, and, and if you're going to be late with throws and, and late is, is, is a very relative term, you, you know, uh, then in the NFL, it's a problem. So well, the windows go from this to this, right? The, the seconds and, and go from this to this. It's which every- raises another 
point right. about learning to play quarterback at the NFL. And, you know, we could have the same conversation next week too. But, you know, about playing quarterback in the NFL is in college football, receivers tend tend to be open, relatively wide open. Yes. In the NFL, you have to sort of learn what open is because receivers are not necessarily wide open. And when I watch tape, as you do, I'm sure you say to yourself at times, hey, that throws there. you got to make that throw. But to yep. a young quarterback, he doesn't see that. It doesn't register as open yet. So he has to learn that, hey, I got to make this throw, <laughs> you know? And because, look, take, it, take an offense like the 49ers. The 49ers' off pass game is built on throwing between the numbers. You know that. Yep. We all know that. That's their pass game. You know, Garoppolo was – and he gets – doesn't never got the proper credit for this. Garoppolo is fantastic and making those difficult throws between the numbers. Every once in a while, he'd make a bad one and would get picked, and that's all people talked about. Oh, Garoppolo got it. He threw it right. He threw it right to the defender. But overall, he was a master at being able to make those kinds of really difficult throws between the numbers. There's not a lot of space there. Guys aren't running free. You know, you've got to learn how to make. You have that has to register in your mind that yeah. hey, those are throws you got to make in the NFL. To talk about another Titans quarterback, I was watching Will Levis's snaps. This yeah, I watched all of his too. And, and, and you, you not to pick on Will Levis, it's his first NFL game. It's a totally different deal. But you, you saw that once in a while, like, oh, well, that was there. And then it wasn't. And, and, so, and that, I mean, we saw that with Trey Lance and Kyle Shanahan talked about it. So that is, um, you know, that space. When we get to mobile quarterbacks, and I, yeah. I'll finish with this. What are the challenges for mobile quarterbacks? Because they're just, I mean, and, and this is a more general, the things you can get away with in college that you can't get away with in the NFL when it comes to, and this could be, you know, the pure progression read versus throwing with anticipation. It could be, you know, dropping your eyes uh, when you're rushed. It could be, but when we talk about mobile quarterbacks, this is, you know, bit, obviously Mahomes is QB1, Burrow is surprisingly mobile, Josh Allen is like Cam Newton with a better arm. So the uh, when you come to the NFL and you're trying to Velcro your mobility to the efficiency and the accuracy and the, the acumen is required yeah. in the NFL, I mean, what does that look like? How do you get there? Yeah, it's a great question. You also hit on another point there, which we could discuss at another time, because I, I don't know if people know what pure progression read means, but that's a, that's we'll leave that alone for the moment. Well, let's let's let, really quick if you can summarize that because I think that well, we're seeing that a lot in the. Well, you see it because that's what's taught in high school and college. Because right. pure progression read, you don't really need to understand defenses at a at a meaningful level in a pure progression read concept. Pure progression read is all about hey, here's the progression. You have one, two, and three. Look at one. If he's not open, go to two. If he's not open, go to three. It doesn't matter why they're not open. You don't have to worry about what the defense is. He's either open or not open. You're, yeah. you, so you're going to throw it to him or you're not going to throw it to him. But you don't really have to worry about the defense in any meaningful way. And that more and more of that is being done because that's what colleges are giving to the NFL. Now, then it's up to the NFL to teach quarterbacks more about defense so they can be far better pre-snap and be able to play the game at a quicker more efficient level. But anyway, to get to your point, you made it. Well, it's nice together because if you're rolling, if I mean, whether you're, you know, a crazy mover like Mahomes or Josh Allen, but if you're rolling right, you're cutting the field in half. That pure progression stuff versus anticipation, that becomes even more important. Yeah. But, you know, the way I, you sort of hit on the, what I believe about um, mobile quarterbacks. I think 
you have to find a balance. And I think this is a hard thing to coach. They have to maybe find it with experience. You have to find a balance between playing efficiently from the pocket and then leaving the pocket when it's necessary. Because one of the things we see a lot, you see it as well, I'm sure, is mobile quarterbacks, because they've been great athletes, maybe the best athlete on the field since they're 10 years old, is that's their default mechanism. So they just leave the pocket. And often they leave the pocket too early, prematurely, when it's not necessary to leave the pocket. So they have to find that balance. Justin Fields is a very good example of that right now. And, you know, I went back and watched a ton of his dropbacks from a year ago. And there's there's enough examples where he played from the pocket to think, you know what, he can do that. Let's see how he continues to develop. But because he's such a great runner and he's 230 pounds, you know, he tends to leave the pocket. So you have to find a balance because otherwise what happens is the term we use is you leave throws on the field. You yourself break down the timing and structure of the pass game. And instead of throwing the ball from the pocket, as you should to receiver that's open, you end up breaking down yourself and leaving. And hey, once in a while, you're going to make a run where people go, oh my God, with Justin Fields. And he's just one example, obviously. But that doesn't happen all the time. You can't base your your you can't base quarterback play and therefore your pass game on making unstructured second reaction plays. You know, it's not coached that way, and you can't build it that way. Now, there's no question more quarterbacks are capable of that. And we've seen some of the great ones in the league, like the the you know the Mahomes, the Josh Allen's. You mentioned Burrow, who's not quite like that, but he's a better mover than people give him so credit for. He's mover in the NFL. As far yeah, as he's as more of a pocket mover than a second no, reaction now mover. Now that Brady's retired, nobody's better in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's, but like I said, he's more of a of a pocket mover than a second reaction mover. Um, but you know, so you have to find that balance between playing with efficiency, so you're delivering the football. Uh, when you should be delivering the football versus leaving the pocket and leaving throws on the field. that I think that's a balance that comes from experience. You can, you know, look at the iPad all day long, but a quarterback has to feel that. Yep. You have to be in there and do it. Well, God, I, I feel like we would put this up on masterclass and do eight hours on it because it's, it's Oh yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's the quarterback position. It's, it's complicated as they say. Well, uh, Greg, awesome stuff as always. And uh, as we get closer into the season, uh, we're looking forward to, talking about individual matchups, but I wanted to kind of finish with the, you know, more of the 30,000 view stuff. And as we get into the regular season and uh, we're seeing the way the games are actually played, we'll get into more individual things, but uh, that's the X's and O's for this week. And we'll talk next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any, type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.